الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما Alhamdulillah, we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for allowing us to witness these great days, these first 10 days of Dhul Hijjah, which are the best days of the year. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us the ability to increase in good deeds during these days, and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept it from all of us. Uh, and inshallah, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make this class count in our scale of good deeds as well. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala benefit me and benefit all of you who are listening. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us all to implement the beneficial lessons that we learn in our lives. So we will continue, inshallah, today with the tafsir of Surah, Surah Yusuf, which we started a couple of, of weeks ago. And we started from the beginning of the story, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions it in the Quran. And we went up to the point where Yusuf alayhi salam is taken away from Palestine and he is sold into slavery in Egypt. That's where we reached last week when Yusuf alayhi salam was sold in Egypt to a very wealthy and a very powerful Egyptian man. And this man was actually the head of the treasury department of Egypt. You could say he was basically the secretary of the treasury of Egypt. So he was very rich and he was very influential and he was very powerful. So he is the one who purchased Yusuf السلام, as a slave. Now, this man, the Mufassirin have mentioned that his name was Qitfir. His name was Qitfir and his wife, her name was Ra'il. And she was also known as Zuleikha. So Qitfir and Zuleikha, uh, they had been married, but they did not have any children, right? So Yusuf السلام, was purchased by Qitfir. And he was still a, a child at that time. He was about 12 years old, right? So Qitfir brings him home. And of course, his home, as, as a rich and powerful man, his, his home is a big mansion. It's like a palace, right? So he brings Yusuf to this home. And he tells his wife, Qitfir tells his wife that, look, I'm bringing home this, this, this boy. And perhaps he can be of some benefit to us. He can serve us. And perhaps maybe we can even adopt him as our own son. Maybe we can take him as a son. We don't have any children. Maybe he can, he can be our son. Right, so this is this was the intention of Qitfir when he purchased Yusuf السلام, to bring him at home, uh, you know, for service and perhaps even taking him as an adopted son. So this is where Yusuf السلام, spent the next few years of his life, living in Egypt, living in a very luxurious palace in a luxurious home uh, under a very powerful man. Right? This is how Yusuf السلام, spent the next few years of his life. And this was part of the preparation that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was giving him for his future. Yusuf السلام, he's growing up as a child in the house of the person who controls the economy, who controls the treasury of Egypt. And Yusuf السلام, in his future, he would eventually take that position himself. He would become in charge of the economy and the treasury of Egypt. So while he was a child, he was still a child growing up in this man's home. He was learning the ropes, basically. He was, he was, he was gaining knowledge on how to manage the economy or manage the treasury of a country, a huge country or a very powerful country like Egypt, right? So he was learning that from a young age. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala set him up 
in this position, in this household, right? And everything Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does, it's according to the plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and according to the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about this, وَكَذَلِكَ مَكَّنَّا لِيُوسُفَ فِي الْأَرْضِ when Yusuf السلام, when he ended up in this home of Qadfir, of the treasurer of Egypt, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and this is how we established Yusuf on the earth. Right? So this was basically a stepping stone for the future of Yusuf الحديث, And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would teach Yusuf السلام, the interpretation of dreams. And this knowledge that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave Yusuf alayhi salam, how to interpret dreams, this also came in very useful. And it actually was the cause of Yusuf alayhi salam to become very beloved to the king of Egypt in the future. That Yusuf alayhi salam, eventually he's going to interpret a dream of the king of Egypt. And because of his correct interpretation of this dream, the king he puts Yusuf السلام, in a very powerful position. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is setting everything up. He's setting everything up. So Yusuf السلام, even though he's separated from his father, he's separated from his family, he's in a new country, in a new land, with new people, right? And he's still a kid. So of course, this is something that's very stressful. But at the same time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is setting him up for his future. And this is how we establish Yusuf on this earth and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would teach Yusuf alayhi salam the interpretation of dreams. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is always victorious in whatever he does and whatever he plans. Right? The people, they make their plans and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he makes his plans. But the plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that always overcomes all other plans. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is victorious and his plan overcomes all plans, right? In another verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, They plot and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala plots and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the best of plotters. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will always be victorious. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordained and he has written, written that he and his messengers will always be victorious. So the plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always comes to be. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is always victorious in, in, in whatever he does and whatever he plans. But most of the people, they just don't know. Most of the people don't realize this. They don't have knowledge, right? Because they don't have iman. So now, today, inshallah, we will continue with the story of Yusuf alayhi salam in the palace of the Aziz, in the mansion of the Secretary of Treasury of Egypt. What happened during his stay over there? So, as we mentioned, when he came into that home, he was still a kid. He was still just 12 years old, right? He was a kid. And he spent the, the next few years there in that household growing up. And eventually, he became a young man. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, When Yusuf alayhi salam reached his ashud, the word ashud, right? The Mufassirin and the ulama have mentioned a, a few different opinions regarding the interpretation of this, of this phrase, ashuddahu, when he reached his ashud. So some of the Mufassirin have interpreted the word ashud to mean when he reached the age of puberty. So basically when he transformed from a boy and now he's not a boy anymore, he's a man, right? So he's physically a man whatever age that may be. And it's different from person to person. That's one of the interpretation of some of the ulama. Some of the ulama 
have said that the word ashuddahu, it means when he reached the age of 20 years old. And some of them said that it's, it's an age between 18 and 30, right? So basically, you know, whatever interpretation we take, it's basically when he, he reached adulthood and he's in the early stages of his adulthood, right? He's not a kid anymore. He is an adult and he's in the early stages of adulthood. And the early stages of adulthood are, are basically the strongest years of your life. You know, you're physically strong and, you know, you're, you're very capable of doing things, right? So that those are basically the years of your strength. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says in another verse, Allahu ladhi khalaqakum min da'fin, thumma ja'ala min ba'di da'fin quwwa, thumma ja'ala min ba'di quwwatin da'fan wa shayba. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he created you and you were in a weak state. So when you came into this world, you came as a baby, right? You're weak. You can't do anything on your own. You cannot move on your own, basically. You know, you, you, you're dependent on your parents for food, for drink, for, you know, changing your diapers, whatever it is, right? So as a child, you are created weak. Then after that period of weakness, you become strong. So when you reach, you know, uh, your, 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 your early stages of adulthood, you are very strong. And then after, you know, that period of strength goes on for some time, and if you live up to an old age, then you revert back to a state of weakness and old age again, right? So Allah الذي خلقكم من ضعف خلقكم من ضعف ثم جعل من بعد ضعف قوة ثم جعل من بعد قوة ضعفا وشيبة. So weakness and then strength and then weakness again for those who live to that stage. So. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here, when he's talking about Yusuf alayhi salam, he's talking about when he reached his age of, of strength, right? So he's not, a, he's not a kid anymore. He's not weak anymore. He's actually a man now. And he's a young man and a strong man. When he reached this age, right? This age of, of strength and this age of maturity. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed him and he gave him hukman wa ilma. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions two things that he gave Yusuf alayhi salam. He gave him wisdom and he gave him knowledge, right? And both of these are very important, especially for a prophet of Allah. Any prophet of Allah will always have these two qualities. They will have ilm that is given to them from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they will have hikmah. They will have wisdom that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestows them with, right? Is it possible for a person to have knowledge and not have wisdom? Do these two things necessarily go hand in hand? Not necessarily. Of course, for all the prophets of Allah, yes, they had both. But other people, they may have knowledge, but they do not have wisdom. So they have the information, they have the knowledge, but they don't know how to implement that knowledge. They don't know how to use that knowledge. They don't know how to express that knowledge and to teach that knowledge, right? They don't know when certain things should be done and when certain things should not be done. They have the knowledge, they have the information, but they, they just basically don't know how to put that information and that knowledge into practice. So there could be a person who has ilm, but he doesn't have hikmah, right? And there could be a person who has hikmah, who has, who has a good mind, right? But he doesn't have so much knowledge, right? So he's not, he's not able to utilize that hikmah that he has to its full potential because he doesn't have the knowledge to back it up. So yes, it is possible for a person to have wisdom without knowledge, 
And it's also possible for a person to have knowledge without wisdom. But as for the prophets of Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always gave all of them both. They had knowledge from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they had hikmah, they had wisdom from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which, which gave them the ability to implement that knowledge perfectly and to show others how to implement that knowledge in the right way as well. So Yusuf alayhi salam, he was given this. He was given hukman wa ilma. He was given wisdom and he was given knowledge. And this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rewards the doers of good. If you do good, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you. He will give you blessings. In another verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, That those people who are guided, those people who are guided and they follow the guidance that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has shown to them, what are they going to get? What is Allah going to give them? They followed the guidance that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them. So Allah rewards them by giving them more guidance, increasing them in guidance. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give them taqwa as well. Right? So you do good. You follow the guidance that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward you by increasing your iman, by increasing your guidance. And he will give you taqwa. He will give you taqwa. And taqwa is the is the highest form of wisdom that a person can have, right? Taqwa means doing what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded you to do and staying away from what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prohibited you from, right? And this is, this, is, this is the height of wisdom, right? So if you do good, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bless you with guidance. He will bless you with taqwa. He will bless you with wisdom. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about Yusuf alayhi salam that when he reached his age of maturity, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him wisdom and he gave him knowledge. And this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rewards the doers of good. The muhsineen are the people who do good. Right? Now, Yusuf alayhi salam, he has, by this point in time, he has spent a few years in this mansion. He has spent a few years as the servant of the Aziz, Qitfir, and his wife, Ra'il, also known as Zulaikha. He's been here for a few years now. But he's not a child anymore. Now he's a, he's a man, right? He's a young man. And he is the most handsome man that these people have ever seen, right? As, as, as the Prophet ﷺ said about Yusuf Yusuf jamal That Yusuf was given half of all beauty. And we spoke about that last week, right? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he divided beauty. He divided beauty into two portions. Right? And one whole portion of those two halves, one of them was given to Yusuf alone. And the other half was spread amongst the rest of the people. So all the beauty that you see in this world, right, it is from that other half. It is all from one half of beauty. And the other half was given to Yusuf completely. SubhanAllah. So this is how amazingly handsome and good-looking Yusuf was. So now he now he's a man. He's not a kid anymore, right? And he's growing up in this house of Qitfir and his wife. So the wife of Qitfir, Zuleikha, she sees this young man, the, the most handsome young man that she's, she's ever seen in her life. And she, she becomes completely infatuated by him, right? So she has a desire that she wants to basically commit an act of immorality 
with Yusuf alayhi salam. Right? She's, she's actually ready to betray her own husband, right? And she wants to commit this act of, of immorality with Yusuf alayhi salam. So in the next verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about this. So one day she decided that she was going to, you know, implement her plan and she wanted to fulfill the desire that she had. So she called Yusuf السلام, to her room. Right? And Yusuf السلام, he's the servant of this house, right? So of course, when he is called by the woman of the house, you know, he has to he has to answer that, right? Maybe she, she wants something from him. She wants him to do some service, right? He had no idea what she really wanted. But, you know, as, as the, the woman of the house and, and Yusuf salam being a servant in that house, he goes and sees what she, she wants. He goes to her room when she calls him, right? And that room, the room of Zuleikha, it had seven doors, right? And she closed all of those doors, right? She didn't want anyone coming in. And also she didn't want Yusuf السلام, going out after, she had, after he had come. So he comes in, right? And what does she say to him? She says, Hey, Talak. The one in whose home Yusuf السلام, was in, meaning this woman. She sought to tempt Yusuf السلام, to commit an act of immorality with her. That was her intention. Against his will, against the will of Yusuf السلام, she wanted to tempt him into committing an act of immorality. And she planned it out. She closed the doors, all seven doors. She closed them. And then she said to him, hey, talak. Hey, talak. What does it mean? The Mufassirin have mentioned that it means Ta'al or halumma, like come to me. And some of the Mufassirin have, have, have mentioned that it means tahayyatulak, that mean, meaning I have prepared myself, I have beautified myself for you. Right? So she basically was trying to tempt him into committing an act of immorality with her. So Yusuf alayhi salam, what did he say? Right? Now Yusuf alayhi salam, he's a young man, right? At the height of, 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 his, of his strength. Right? And he's a very handsome man. And this woman, Zuleikha, she's also a very beautiful woman. Right? But Yusuf, السلام, he was given, remember what, what he was given by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? He was given hukman wa ilma. He was given wisdom and he was given knowledge. And that wisdom and that knowledge in his heart, alhamdulillah, it acted as a shield for him that protected him from committing anything that was displeasing to Allah subhanahu so that's you know that's why knowledge is very important having knowledge and having wisdom it it acts as a protection for you from evil as well alhamdulillah right so this is what happened with yusuf alayhi salam allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected him so when this woman when she sought to tempt yusuf alayhi salam to commit this act of immorality what did he say he said qala ma'adhallah Ma'adhallah, meaning I seek refuge in Allah. The meaning of Ma'adhallah is similar to A'udhu Billah, right? I seek refuge in Allah. I seek protection in Allah from what you are calling me to. This is evil. And I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect me from evil. Qala Ma'adhallah, I seek refuge in Allah. I seek the protection of Allah from falling into this act of evil. 
إِنَّهُ رَبِّي أَحْسَنَ مَثْوَاي Surely my master has honored me and he has put me in a position of honor. He has taken care of me. So the Mufassirin have a, dif have a difference of opinion regarding the word Rabbi here. Who is Yusuf السلام, referring to? Because the word Rabb, linguistically, it can also refer to someone's master. If you're a slave, right? The master could also linguistically be referred to as Rabb, right? And this is something that our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam in, in, you know, in our Sharia, we are prohibited from calling anyone Rabb except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So even the slaves, they were not allowed to call their masters Rabb. The Prophet ﷺ, he forbade this, right? So the word Rabb is now exclusively for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But linguistically, before, the word Rabb, it just meant master. So it could be referring to uh, a slave master as well. So some of the Mufassirin have mentioned that what is being referred to here, what you, who Yusuf ﷺ was referring to here, was Qitfir. That Qitfir, he's my master, he is the one who bought me, he is the one who brought me into this house. And during these years that I'm staying in the house of Qutfir, he has always treated me with respect. Even though I'm his slave, he has honored me. He has taken care of me. He has treated me in a very good way. He has never been harsh with me, right? So how can I betray him? That my master Qutfir, he has always honored me and taken care of me, even though I'm a slave. So how can I dare betray him with his wife? How can I dare do such a thing? I cannot do this. This would be a great evil and a great injustice. So that's one of the interpretations that some of the Mufassirin have regarding the phrase of Yusuf alayhi salam, innahu rabbi ahsana mathwai. Surely my master, he has honored me. He has kept me in a state of honor. And some of the Mufassirin have mentioned that no, Yusuf alayhi salam, when he's saying rabbi, he is actually referring to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Lord of the worlds. Innahu rabbi ahsana mathwai. Ma'ad Allah, innahu rabbi ahsana mathwai. I seek refuge in Allah. Surely my Lord, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he has honored me. He has given me so much. He has blessed me. So how can I disobey him? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has raised my rank and my status and he has given me so much. How can I disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So these are two interpretations regarding this phrase. Innahu rabbi ahsana mathwai. Innahu la yuflihu zalimun. Surely the zalimun, the doers of evil, they will never be successful. So basically what Yusuf السلام, is telling her, is telling Zulaikha that if I fall into this temptation and I do this, this will destroy me. This will destroy me, right? I will never be successful after this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed me. He has given me so much. He has honored me. But if I do this, if I, if I commit this act of disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not give me success. I will not have tawfiq in my life after this, if I commit this act, right? So this is a very, very important lesson. When the shaitan whispers to you to commit some type of a sin, remember the statement of Yusuf alayhi salam, innahu la yuflihu zalimun, the doers of evil, they're not successful, right? Everyone wants to be successful in their life, right? The way to be successful is to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you'll be successful in this world. And more importantly, you'll be successful in the hereafter. But the disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, living a life of disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this leads to sadness in this world. And it leads to destruction in the hereafter as well. Allah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from this. Right? But we have to understand Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, 
من عمل صالحا من ذكر او انثى وهو مؤمن فلنحيينه حياه طيبه ولنجزينهم اجرهم باحسن ما كانوا يعملون whoever does righteous actions from the males and from the females this applies to men and women whoever does righteous actions and this person is a believer whether it's a man or a woman then allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give this person hayatan tayyibah he will give this person a good life in this world so obedience to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala based upon iman based upon faith this is something that leads you to have a good prosperous successful life in this world and after your life of this world is over wala najziyannahum ajrahum bi ahsani ma kanu ya'malun allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you the reward of the good that you used to do in the hereafter as well right so obedience of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the way to success in this world and in the hereafter whereas turning away from allah abandoning the commandments of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala abandoning the remembrance of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this is a way to be miserable in this world and also to be miserable in the hereafter as allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says waman a'rada an dhikri fa inna lahu ma'ishatan dhanka wa nahshuruhu yawm al-qiyamati a'ma that the person who turns away from the remembrance of allah then this person will have a miserable life a very sad life in this world and on yawm al-qiyamah this person will be raised up as a blind person won't be able to see right so he will he will be destroyed in this world and in the hereafter if if a person lives a life uh, of of turning away from the remembrance of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala right so remember this phrase of yusuf alayhi salam when this woman tried to tempt him to disobey allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ma'adhallah innahu rabbi ahsana mathwai innahu la yuflihu adh-dhalimun I seek refuge in Allah I seek the protection of Allah surely my lord he has honored me he has taken care of me he has given me a great status and great blessings and surely the zalimun the doers of evil they are not successful they're not successful right so alhamdulillah yusuf alayhi salam he was protected from committing this act of immorality in the next verse allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says wa laqad hammat bihi that this woman she had a desire for yusuf alayhi salam she really desired to commit this act with yusuf alayhi salam as for yusuf alayhi salam allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says wa hamma biha lawla arra'a burhana rabbi and he also would have had a desire for her look this is a young man and he's at the height of his his strength his physical strength and this is a beautiful woman and she has beautified herself and she has prepared herself with the intention of committing an act of immorality with Yusuf alayhi salam she calls Yusuf alayhi salam into her room she closes the doors they're in privacy right so this is a situation that that is very tempting so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about Yusuf alayhi salam wa hamma biha lawla arra'a burhana rabbi he also would have desired her if he had not seen the proofs of his lord but because allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed him with knowledge and with wisdom he saw the proofs of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he knew that allah is watching he knew that allah is watching so he was able to get out of that situation without having any desire to commit an act of immorality with zulaikha because his faith in allah his belief in allah his knowledge that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching that was stronger then any desire that the shaitan wanted to put in to him right his belief in allah his faith in allah his fear of allah that overpowered everything else 
So the desire was not there because he saw the proofs of his Lord. If he had not seen the proofs of his Lord, if he didn't have this knowledge, if he didn't have this taqwa, then as a human being, as a young man, in this situation with a very beautiful woman, he would have had desire for her naturally. But because of his, of his, of his knowledge that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed him with and this wisdom and taqwa that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him, he did not have desire for her. He would have had desire for her if it were not for the fact that he saw the proofs of his Lord. That he saw the proofs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Surely Yusuf alayhi salam was from the servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who were chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The word mukhlasin, it means chosen. So Yusuf alayhi salam, as a prophet of Allah, that means he was chosen by Allah. Prophets of Allah do not become prophets of Allah through their actions or through their good deeds, right? They become prophets of Allah because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses them to be prophets of Allah. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, your Lord, he creates what he wants and he chooses. And the people, they have no ability in this regard. They cannot choose themselves. Rather, it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who chooses whom is going to be a prophet. Allah chooses this, right? So he chose Yusuf alayhi salam to be a prophet. And based on that, Yusuf alayhi salam was given knowledge. He was given wisdom. He was given taqwa. He was protected from evil, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose him. He was from the chosen servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Innahu min ibadina al-mukhlasin. Surely, he was from the chosen servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In another qira'ah, in another recitation, it is innahu min ibadina al-mukhlisin with a kasra and the lam instead of a fatha. So in some recitations, in the most common recitation that we recite, which is hafs and asr, we say innahu min ibadina al-mukhlisin with a fatha and the lam. Right? But in other recitations, in some other recitations, it's innahu min ibadina al-mukhlisin. So what is the difference between mukhlasin and mukhlisin? Mukhlasin, it means chosen. Yusuf alayhi salam was from the chosen servants of Allah as a prophet of Allah. And mukhlisin, it means sincere. He had ikhlas. He was a, a person who had sincerity towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And of course, both of, both of these meanings are, are complementary. They go together. If he is chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, of course, he will have sincerity towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? All of the prophets who were chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they had ikhlas, they had sincerity towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So these are two different qira'at, two different uh, recitations of this verse. Innahu min ibadina al-mukhlasin. Also, innahu min ibadina al-mukhlasin. So surely he was from the chosen servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Surely he was from the sincere servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is how it went, right? She had this desire. She called him to herself. She said, I have beautified myself. I have prepared myself for you. Come to me. And he said, no, I cannot do it. I believe in Allah. And he tried to make a run for it. He wanted to get himself physically out of this situation, right? He didn't want to stay in this type of situation. So he started to run away. He came in through the door. He started running back towards the door to escape from this room, right? So she chases after him. She doesn't want to give up this easily. She chases after him. And her intention is she wants to reach the door before him. She wants to reach the door before him so she can block him from leaving, right? 
but she's not able to catch up to him and he reaches the door. So before he leaves, she wants to, she wants to grab him so that he doesn't leave. So they, they both reach the door at about the same time, but she's like right behind him. And to prevent him from leaving, she grabs his shirt very strongly from the back to the extent that she actually rips his shirt because he's moving forward to get out and she's trying to pull him back, right? So he's moving in one direction. She has his shirt in her hand and she's pulling it in the opposite direction. So what's going to happen? The shirt, the shirt rips in the back. This is what happens, right? And they reach the door at about the same time and Yusuf salam's shirt is ripped from the back. So what happens when they reach the door? Okay. So they, they reach the door, they get to the door and she rips his shirt from the back and who do they run into right at the door? They run into Qitfir, the husband of Zulaikha, the owner of the house, the treasurer of Egypt. He's there and he's, he witnesses this situation that Yusuf and Zulaikha, they're right at the door. They were in this room together. And of course, the situation looks very bad. And Qutfir is not happy with what he sees. So Zulaikha, the wife of Qutfir, she knows that this situation is going to look very bad. So her first instinct is she wants to save herself. Even though she's the guilty one, she is the only one who's to blame in this situation. Yusuf salam, is innocent. Zulaikha's intention is to save her own self, to save her own reputation with her husband. So she wants her husband to think that Yusuf salam, was coming on to her instead of what really happened, which is the fact that she is the one who came on and tried to tempt Yusuf. So immediately she realizes that you know, this situation looks very, very bad. I need to say something to save my reputation. So she, she lies when she sees her husband. She says, She says, what should be the punishment of someone who wants to do something evil with your family? So basically she's saying, Yusuf, he was trying to do something bad with me, so he should be punished. That's the first thing she says to her husband. But then she gets afraid. She thinks that, if I just leave it at that, if I just say that, you know, you should punish him because he tried to do something to me, she was afraid that her husband would kill Yusuf salam, and she didn't want him to kill him because she was thinking that, you know, even though she was not successful this time, she didn't get her desire this time. She was thinking that maybe I can try again and maybe I'm going to get it in the future, right? So she was thinking this way as well. So she doesn't want Yusuf salam dead. See how, see how deeply infatuated she was with him? She wants to save her own reputation and she, she's ready to slander the name of, of an innocent man, Yusuf salam. But at the same time, she still has a desire for this man. So she doesn't want him to die. She wants him to, to survive. She wants him to live because she thinks if he lives, she can maybe have another chance with him, right? So, you know, her, her infatuation with Yusuf salam clouded her mind so much that she was, she was doing these things, right? So she says to her husband, and what should be the punishment of someone who intends evil for your family, who wants to do evil with your family? But then she, she feared that, okay, maybe if I just leave it at that, maybe he's going to kill him. 
So then she gives options like this is what you should do. That you know you should you should either put him in prison or you should punish him with a painful punishment. And the Mufassirin have mentioned that the painful punishment that she was referring to here is, you know, you should maybe lash him or whip him, right? Either put him in jail or lash him. She wanted to take the death sentence out of the equation. Like, yeah, you should punish him, but these are the two choices that you should choose between them for the punishment, either prison or lashing. Right? She wanted to take capital punishment off the table, but don't kill him, right? So this is what she said to her husband. Now, Yusuf, alayhi salam, he's innocent and he knows he's innocent. And this woman just falsely slandered him in front of the owner of the house, this man who had taken care of Yusuf alayhi salam, you know, since he's a child for so many years, right? So Yusuf alayhi salam doesn't want the owner of the house. He doesn't want Qitfir to, to think badly of him. He, he wants him to know the truth that he didn't try to betray him or anything like that. He wouldn't dare do such a thing. Now Yusuf alayhi salam, he didn't intend to go and tell Qitfir about what had happened. Yusuf salam was ready to keep everything silent. If she wouldn't have said anything, he also wouldn't have said anything. He didn't want to make problems between Qutfir and Zulaikha. He didn't want, you know, to, to cause tension in their marriage. He was ready to, to remain silent about it as long as she would stop bothering him, right? He didn't have the intention to basically tell Qutfir about what happened. But when she slandered Yusuf alayhi salam, then, you know, she, she basically forced him to explain what really happened. She forced his hand, basically. He wasn't going to tell on her, but now in order to defend his own honor and in order to defend himself from slander, he had no other choice but to tell Qutfir exactly what she tried to do. So he had to implicate her. This was the truth. So after Zulaikha accuses Yusuf alayhi salam falsely, Yusuf alayhi salam defends himself. He says, Right? So he defended himself and he told the truth that she is the one who tried to commit this act of immorality with me and I am innocent. I had nothing to do with it. And there was someone from the family of Zulaikha who bore witness. Now, who was this shahid? Who was this, this witness? The Mufassirin have mentioned that when Yusuf salam and Zulaikha, when they came to the door and they saw Qitfir at the door, he was not alone. He was actually with another person. And this person was actually the cousin of Zulaikha. So Qitfir, the treasurer, was talking with Zulaikha's cousin, the cousin of Zulaikha. They both were there nearby the door when Yusuf alayhi salam and uh, Zulaikha came out, right? So he witnessed all of this as well. Qutfir witnessed and the cousin of Zulaikha also witnessed, right? So the cousin of Zulaikha had an idea. Let's see, you know, they both have conflicting stories. She's saying that he's guilty. He's saying that she's guilty. He comes up with a plan to determine who is telling the truth and who is lying. And his plan is that we need to look at the shirt. The shirt is ripped, right? Let's, let's see where it's ripped from. If it's ripped from the back, then he is telling the truth. But if it's ripped from the front, then 
she is telling the truth. So what was his logic regarding this? He said, in kana qamisuhu qudda min qubulin fasadaqat wa huwa min al-kadhibin. He said, like, look, to determine who's telling the truth, let's look at the shirt. If it's ripped from the front, if it's ripped from the front, that means that she is telling the truth and Yusuf is lying. Because if it's ripped from the front, it means he ripped it himself, right? That means he was trying to come on to her and he ripped his shirt himself. And that means she would be telling the truth that he came on to her and he would be lying. But if it's the other way around, if instead the shirt is ripped from the back, how is he going to rip? How is Yusuf going to rip his own shirt from the back? And why would he rip it from the back? So if it's ripped from the back, it means that he was trying to run away and she grabbed him and she ripped it from the back, meaning she is the one who came on to him. Meaning that Yusuf is telling the truth and Zulaikha is lying. So let's look at the shirt. The shirt will be the evidence regarding the reality of this situation. This is going to prove who's telling the truth and who's lying. So they said, yeah, that makes perfect sense. So let's look at the shirt. They look at the shirt. Where is it ripped from? The shirt is ripped from the back. So when Qitfir, when the husband of Zulaikha, when he saw that Yusuf's shirt was ripped from the back, he addressed his wife. Now he knows his wife was actually attempting to cheat on him. So he says to her, This is from your, your plots as women. You do these type of things. Surely your plots are evil. And they, you, you make these huge plots against people. Right? So now, the fear he knows the truth. He knows that Yusuf is innocent. And he knows that his wife is actually the guilty one. And she is the one who tried to come on to Yusuf. So as a powerful and influential man, he doesn't want this news to leak out. He doesn't want people to come to know about this because it will tarnish his reputation, his family's reputation, right? He doesn't want the news of this to go out. So he tells Yusuf, السلام, he says, Yusuf, Yusuf, please leave off any talk about this. Please remain silent about this. Right? Please uh, don't, don't tell anybody about this. Let's just keep it hush-hush, right? Yusuf, he tells Yusuf السلام, to keep it quiet. And then he addresses his wife, And you, you need to ask for forgiveness for what you have done, for the sin that you have committed, trying to cheat on your husband. This is something very bad and you need to seek forgiveness for this, this action. Surely you were from the evildoers. Surely you are from the ones who committed wrong. Right? So now, Everything is clear. Qutfir knows exactly what happened. He knows that Yusuf السلام, is innocent. But his main concern here is that, look, this, this should not leak out. This should not tarnish the family's reputation. So please just keep it quiet. Let's not talk about this, right? But the reality is that, you know, when these type of things happen, especially in a big palace that has lots of servants and lots of people, right? These things leak out. That's, that's just the, the thing that, that generally happens in these situations, right? So Yusuf, السلام, he didn't speak anything about it, right? But people came to know about what happened. And the news eventually leaked out into the city after this. And some of the women of the city, they started chattering. They started talking about it. وَقَالَ نِسْوَةٌ فِي الْمَدِينَةِ إِمْرَأَةُ الْعَزِيزِ تُرَاوِدُ فَتَاهَا عَنْ نَفْسِهِ 
the news leaked out and the women of the city, they started talking amongst each other. And they said to each other that the wife of the Aziz, Zuleikha, the wife of Qitfir, the wife of this powerful man, the wife of the secretary of treasury of Egypt, she is, she is such a powerful woman, a woman of such high status, and she's married to such a powerful man, but still, she is trying to tempt her servant, her slave, into committing an act of immorality with her. Look at this woman. She's married to such an influential, powerful man. And she, instead of being happy with that, she wants to commit an act of immorality with a servant. They found this very strange. Like, why would a woman of such status in society want to commit an act of immorality with her own servant or her own slave? They didn't, they didn't see the sense behind this. They didn't see how this could be possible. So they said, that the love that she has for him, it has like completely encompassed her. It has completely blinded her. That she doesn't even know what she's doing. Surely, we see that she is astray. Like this, this love has, has led her off the straight path. It has blinded her to the extent that she doesn't realize what she's doing. She doesn't know what she's doing, right? So that is the talk that started occurring amongst the women of the city. They came to know about what happened and they started talking amongst each other. And the fact that you know this talk was circulating in the city, it, it reached Zuleikha herself. She found out that, look, the news leaked out. People know about what happened. People are talking about it. So this is something that distressed her a lot. She was, she was very upset about this, that, you know, what are people talking about me? What are people saying about me? My reputation is going to be ruined. So she was very worried about this. So she wanted to come up with a plan to, to stop them from speaking about her in such a way. So she came up with a plan. She came up with a plan. And inshallah, we'll speak about that plan that she came up with next week. I don't want to keep you guys for too long because I know that uh, many of you may be fasting and you want to get ready for iftar. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept it from all of you. Uh, but I think we do have a few minutes for a few questions. If anyone has any questions, we can take some questions inshallah before iftar.